This is Michael Byrne and you're listening to the Let's Talk podcast where we help people to gain a better understanding of mental illness and hear firsthand from a survivor of multiple traumas so you can be free from the past and get on with your life. Welcome to the podcast. I did a talk on Friday and what, I got a great question. The question was, so, okay, you were in the Clutha, a helicopter fell on top of you, blah, 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 you survived it. But other people haven't had those physical catastrophes. How would you advise people to deal with other things that aren't as bad as that and who might look at you and think, um, you know, I've not got anywhere near as bad as him, I'll just not talk about it. My answer pretty much is that the helicopter's a metaphor. It's reality for me, but that metaphoric helicopter, when you're struggling in that depression or whatever happens to you, that mental illness happens to you, that's your helicopter. It's the biggest thing you're going to have to encounter at that point in your life. So, um, you know, it shouldn't be a case of a ranking of, well, he survived that, that's really big and blah, 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 what I've got is not really a big thing. Believe me, it's a metaphoric helicopter. Um, so, for me, the most empowering thing I managed to do was own it, accept it, and now... I kind of wear it, a ba- wear it as a badge and think, okay, I, I, you know, I struggle with my mental health. I always think that I'll be in recovery um, because I'm always aware that my mental health can deteriorate at any time, like anyone else. Um, but I try and take preventative measures. But I don't think for a second that I'm cured, that nothing's ever going to happen to me in the future. I treat it as an illness and that it could come back at any time. I'm more equipped now, having you know, everything I've learned and everything I speak of, to deal with it. I would look at my mate that I was in the Clutha with. So I had all of these things that happened to me, the murder, all of these things, and my mate and I were in the Clutha at the exact same time, you know, same general experiences, we're both standing next to each other when it happened, and so on. And then I had my breakdown four years later. So as, as the breakdown, the, and then after the clutha had, you know, the cancers, or at least the tumours and all of that, for me, I think it's, it was a case of you only get a pint of milk and a pint of milk. And I think when you reach that, you have to empty some of the pint of milk to replenish the pint. The difference was that at that point when I had my breakdown, I was all for seeking help. I think if I was to compare myself to my mate, he would not want to accept that he needed help. And I think that's part of it as well. I've certainly done some work with people where it's it perhaps is internalised and it's brushed off and all of those things. It's separating that bravado, like I did, where I kind of went, you know, my, my resilience was go to work every day, didn't matter what, and that meant for 14 hours I didn't really need to deal with it. So I think you need to get into the mind of what is the person's personality? Is it really just brushing it off and what if it does back? Or are you just protecting yourself, perhaps hoping that at a later stage you don't become the guy walking in the corner um, and I mean that metaphorically um, and I think that the likelihood is we just never know you know I, I look back and think I wish I'd taken steps when I was in my 20s when my father died I wish I'd spoke to somebody and all of that 
But was there really somebody about that I would have spoken to? No. Um, there was victim support. Was I going to go, in my view at that point, and be mollycoddled by people who might not have been through it? Uh, I was 26. Rule the world when you're 26. But had there been someone like me who had had loads of life experience of all of these things and could actually take them aside and say, okay, come on, almost like mentoring and say, look, you might want to talk about this just now because, you know, the future you might look back and think, talk about it just now. I think that's certainly true in Scotland where we, you know, we vociferously judge. <laughs> we vociferously judge on how strong or how we believe other people are strong. Um, but, you know, it's a bit like when you go to the gym, okay? As at the gym earlier this morning. So you go to the gym and there are guys who are, who are built like Charles Atlas, okay? And there are people who can run, when they're on a machine, 15 miles. Who's stronger? It doesn't, it's different parts of people want to be that. People want to be that. People want to be all these other things. So standing, comparing yourself to them, it's a, it's a false outlook because you're thinking, God, that guy, that guy's great, Aye, but he's not as strong as him because he can do that. We look and we judge, but the reality is, is that in our, all of our own lives, we're at a certain point and we have our own goals and our own targets and they are the things that we need to concentrate on, not how my mental health is compared to my pals, my mates, my workloads. But unfortunately we do and we think that I can't really explore this because, well, Jimmy's really strong. Look at him, he's done, or people say, look at you, you've been through all of those things. But it's the metaphoric helicopter. If you don't deal with it, in my view now, and knowing what I know, that metaphoric helicopter's going to come on, uh, come on down on you. Um, but as a, you know, the premise for it all for me is that we can prevent suicides. We can prevent drug-related deaths. We could probably prevent murders and car accidents as well. But we continually report and sensationalise murders uh, and tell us of the car-related deaths unless there's a tragedy you know, for multiple deaths at one time. But if we spoke more often and said suicide, suicides, here's what's happening, people, I think, would generally say, enough, we need to do something about this because every day it's reported on the news. The likelihood would be they'd stop reporting on the news, but actually the fundamentals would be we need to stop it being reported on the news because it's reduced, and that then becomes the news. <coughs> but you'll see it yourself. The next time you pick up a newspaper, you'll see the murder. You'll see murders, murders, murders. I mean, you know, particularly through the UK. Uh, but on a slightly side note, even when someone is reported as suicide, generally the media will not say at the beginning it is suicide. It will say, such and such passed away. 49-year-old guy passed away. It's been famous celebrities. They haven't said it, and you read between the lines and you think, that's a suicide. Now, are they not saying it because perhaps it's not, you know, there's not been a coroner's investigation down in England or whatever, or are we just saying it because we don't want to say suicide? But the most fundamental thing when you're going through suicide training in any way, even at the most basic level, is to ask the question. Are you contemplating suicide? And people even at that training don't want to say it. It's almost like cancer. If I say it, I've got it. If I say suicide, you know, I might be tempting fate. I might be pushing the person towards it. But it's not true. You know, it's still saying guns don't kill people. People kill people. No, I'm, I'm not pro right gun. I, I, it's almost like that lack of accountability. Um, and it's okay um, not to be accountable because somebody else made me do it. Well, kind of, there are a world of choices, you know. Um, 
And I, under, I completely agree that when you're struggling with your mental health, your choices become far more limited, uh, or you believe your choices are far more limited. Um, but for me, you know, I think that's what I do. Why what I do is becoming really, really successful. Because it's a, a 50-year-old man willing to stand up there and say, here's been my life. Warts and all, all the traumas, catastrophes, the breakdown, the suicide, all of that stuff. But actually the happy end, and I kind of say the happy ending standing in front of you. And, you know, that's my opening line when I, when I say to people, well, this is real life. We've got, you know, it might trigger you. The likelihood is that it'll trigger you. So if you feel emotionally, feel upset, that's perfectly okay. If you want to leave the room, go and get a cup of tea, come back in because the happy ending standing in front of you. But all too often we don't want to talk about that. We, we you know, and I think what I'm doing uh, is raising this awareness, saying, look, you know, all of these things I've been through. Not that I'm great at managing through it because, you know, I collapsed. I had that. I went to suicide. But actually, you know, come through it. You can come through it. When I was there, and as I've spoken before about this language of trauma and what I do being, you know, um, this the voice in the pub, when you have that conversation, you know, when you walk into a pub and everyone's speaking a different language, uh, when you are suicidal and you're struggling with your mental health, you're the guy standing in the pub and nobody gets you and they're all speaking different languages. But if the media was just a report, that's okay, that's common. It's all right to feel that way. What's the dangerous thing is to take the next step wrongly. The next step wrongly after you have that is to go and complete suicide. The next best step after that is to realise there are loads of people like me. Now I just need to find one. And when I hear that voice in the pub and it's the chat talking or the lady talking that language, that's the person that can help me. And if we were to report, to report that there are loads of people like me who are open about it all and can actually talk about what it's really like in the darkest day and what it's like to overcome it. It's the voice. It's the voice you want to hear. But unfortunately we don't. We talk, we're too busy talking about murders and car-related deaths and these other things. Um, but... For me, when you're there and you're in that dark place, you think there's no way out except for ending your life. Because that's the easy scenario that your mind is telling you. Our minds are wired to get us to the quickest and easy option. So, you know, the quickest way to get to wherever you're going to is drive here, drive there, you're there. If you are in the worst place you can ever be, the likelihood will be that your mind will tell you the simple answer to this is to end your life. And it's what power you give that thought, as we all know, thoughts become actions and so on. And if you act on that, then you're going to end your life. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, I'm, I'm not judging anyone. That's exactly what I did. That's where it took me. I believed those voices. But when we look at all of the things that's out there in society, and we look at how we inform people, there's still a stigma. Even when I talk openly about hearing voices in my head and the voices led me to it, you can see people crying. You can see people going, Pff, guys openly talking about hearing voices. Yeah. But nobody ever wants to say, I, of course, we all have a voice in our head. It's our, it's our conscience. It's whatever it is we believe it to be. Um, but when I say, I, the voices in my head made me, spoke to me this way and said I was useless and all of that. And then I gave it a name and then I started the conversion and overcoming it. Um, but you say those things and people run from it because nobody wants to really admit in a society that we hear voices because our media reports that voices made me do it it was the devil son of Sam all of this stuff 
I heard voices, Jack, you know, in the Yorkshire pub. Well, of course, we all hear voices. It's what you do when you hear them. But the media has sensationalised it as in saying, I hear voices. It's a bad thing. It's the voice saying, oh, you better get up, late for work, or whatever it is. It's, it's the voice, it's the drive. It's those things when you're thinking, you know, I'm going to go to the gym today. It's the voice telling you you should go to the gym. And then the other voice saying, no, nah, don't bother. You hear, you hear multiple voices. But the societal thing that we live in, the voice did make you do it. Um, but we only seem to accept that when it's a negative. But actually, if we started saying, like, you know, let's be open about this, let's be real. Okay, you know, people commit, there are 784 suicides in Scotland. We know that 11% of them in Lanarkshire. Let's do something about it. Why is Lanarkshire a hotspot? Why is Elshire a hotspot? Why, why, why? And if I stayed in that area, which I do, I would be concerned for my son or anyone up to the age of 50 to say, right, okay, do you think that this is a danger? Are you a danger to yourself? Is there anything we can do? But the media will report it for a wee bit. If they do, then it's gone. But I think, as I said, we believe that society is there to meant to inform us. Eh, sorry, that the media is there is meant to inform us or reflect us. It's not, not, not nowadays. I don't think if it ever was. It's whatever the political, um, whichever broadcaster or outlet you... Um, subscribe to in whatever way. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't buy a newspaper, well, not many people now do buy a newspaper, but I haven't bought a newspaper in as long as I can remember. Um, and I'm not informed by the media. Uh, I choose to not be informed by the media unless I decide I'm going to check up on what's happening with this. Um, I I don't need to be informed by the media. I hear all this rubbish just now that's going on about the royals. You know. Let them go and do what they want to do, you know, each to their own. Um, and that's non-political in a way, but um, there was something the other day that I've seen that said the reporting of one princess over the other one doing identical things was so different. The only thing that you can allude from that is that the agenda is different. Why would you report differently from doing exactly the same thing? Um, and it's for me, it's exactly the same with murders. Murders sell papers. Murders sensationalise it, make tune into telly. Suicides make people worried. But you should be worried. That's it for today, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Please also like and share this episode on social media with your friends, family and colleagues and anyone who you think may benefit from getting this incredible insight into better mental health. If you have any comments or questions, then get in touch by emailing me at michael at livedexperiencetraumasupport.com Thanks very much. I'm Michael Byrne from Lived Experience Trauma Support.